Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I am Victoria Laguna. And we have some very special guests with us today, Jerry Porter and Pete Mummert from Indiana Jones Minute. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Yeah, it's very nice to be here. Thank you for the Oh, I'm so happy to have you guys here. Absolutely. Um, I thought that this was a particularly... uh, pertinent week yeah. for you guys to, <laughs> to come join us so so I, th- I think it'll be fun um i'm excited uh, do you guys um pete i know we talked a little bit off mic um you you were mentioning that uh that this movie and and this book are maybe the only harry potter content that you're familiar with yeah i i read the book way back when it came out and i saw the first movie and i haven't like i think i've seen one of the other movies or two of the other movies but i don't remember them so the first movie is sort of all of my Harry Potter knowledge. So <laughs> people on your Facebook group can furiously write in with corrections. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's going to be fun. We do tend to kind of forego the spoiler thing and talk about like the Harry Potter world at large because there has been so much content at this point, but uh-huh. I don't like I uh, I don't think I have any notes that's really going to I'm excited for you to 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 go back and maybe Watch the rest of them if you uh, if you like what we talk about today. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? Have you um, like seen the movies or read any of the books? Uh, well, the book came out. The very first book, The Sorcerer's Stone, came out in 1997, and I was um, working at Borders Books and Music at the time, and so I'm in a bookstore, and Harry Potter comes out, and I mean it blew up. Everybody was just on every best-selling. New York Times this and kids that and it exploded and um, so of course but well before I got fired from Borders <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was like okay, let me see what this is all about and 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 I uh, I took the book out and read it and I was like oh this is great like I really enjoyed the the first book I thought it was fantastic and I got. Uh, through I got maybe halfway through the second one and it was really good and and I, mm-hmm. I, I put it down but it wasn't for any reason of uh, I think I just got into something else that's um, how it goes sometimes yeah it wasn't so I got like halfway through the second one but I'd never seen any of the movies until this week and I watched uh you know I watched this movie uh this week a couple nights ago that's exciting. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that you hadn't seen the movie before at all. That'll so uh I mean you guys get like the climax. <laughs> what was your overall impression? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Uh Pete, go ahead. Oh yeah, I I, I like the movie quite a bit. And I you know, one thing that I, I think they really carries over from a lot of uh John Williams movies is this incredible score. And there are a couple mm-hmm. of pieces, especially one that plays in this minute, that is almost identical to one of the pieces in Rages of the Lost Ark. So it's watching this movie. I have the uh, 
music from when Indy rides the China Clipper from Raiders of the Lost Ark in my head the entire time. <laughs> Ooh. You know, I didn't even really think about that. There have definitely been moments in the John Williams score for sure that we've talked about before. Uh-huh. Um, during the Quidditch match. And uh-huh. then I think earlier when we first descended through the trap door, there's like a couple moments where I was like, oh, this is so much like this moment in Star Wars. Or like, <laughs> yeah. oh, doesn't that remind you yeah. of this? Oh, like, it's um, it's so iconic. Like, I love that they were able to have John Williams come in and do the score, at least for the first couple of movies and really sort of establish what the universe sounds like. Mm-hmm. And he only, yeah. I think he only did the first three, but it really sends like a, sets like a bedrock for the rest of the the series it'll be interesting for us to talk about i think once we get to like goblet of fire and the later ones uh-huh. um, to I, kind of it, pick it apart and see what's different about it i really really enjoyed the book and i felt like um i, mean, I think it'd be very difficult to make a harry potter movie i wouldn't want to be in charge of that um <laughs> <laughs> and i it was i think they did a lot of things really well and some things uh in the movie kind of they just lacked the depth but mm-hmm. yeah, that's I'm not dogging the movie. I think it would be really hard to do, and I and I and I like a lot of what they did. And I know they, when I think of the book, a lot of the things were had, they're a little bit more. I mean, because it's a book, it was a little bit more. You could get into some darker, more adult or mm-hmm. transcendental, I guess, themes. And in the movie, it's a little bit more geared, obviously, towards towards kids or young adults. And so some of that stuff gets a little bit whitewashed, but um, I mean that's that's just a that's just a choice. I don't. I, I think they did things well, you know. Yeah, I th- I think a lot of the decisions, especially with this one and the next one, they're both Chris Columbus, and I think yeah. a lot of the decisions he made was like we want to get children engaged with this kind of franchise, and so they do sort of um, they do sort of water down a lot of the the, the more tense moments that we've seen, but. I um, at, at I the think same they time, definitely sort of, were. Sorry, go ahead. I'm gonna let you. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was, I was gonna say at the same time, that's funny that it felt a little watered down with Chris Columbus. Maybe he's still smarting over because he had two movies that definitely were not watered down in mm-hmm. Goonies and Gremlins. So it's funny, right. that, like this one seemed to take a safer, a little bit. Yeah, path. and I and I think I think um, I think maybe it is a, a result of those. It's like oh. You know, we want to we want to do something that's good for kids, but we also don't want to risk getting that PG thirteen rating now that that's um, kind of been established in the M- in the uh, MPAA system. And they're just uh, they don't. I-, I think his goal was to have parents see this as a family film and want to bring their children and not have to f- worry like, oh, it's PG thirteen. Maybe it's going to be too dark for my kid, or maybe like it's it'll be scary or whatever. Um, and so they definitely pulled back a- 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 at least in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, a fair bit. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I understand that you kind of have to make a commitment on which way you're going to go with it. And then I guess mm-hmm. sort of stick to that. Yeah. That said, they do. There is a lot of the book that still makes it into the movie, at least for this first one mm-hmm. um, on our weekend edition, Victoria and I have been going through the chapters of the book lately. And uh, there haven't been a lot of moments where I've been like, Oh, they definitely like, they just cut this whole sequence out. Like, that hasn't necessarily been something we've seen a lot happen in uh, in the movie, thankfully, at least for this one. I think mm-hmm. when we get into later ones, because the books get really dense, mm-hmm. um, you lose a lot more. But it's interesting to see how different directors kind of work with that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk about the stuff that's going to happen this week because we have some we have a really big reveal that's going to happen right now. 
And uh, like, I, I have right to say, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I watched the minutes. You, you sent us the minutes. I watched the minutes. I was like, yeah. oh, damn, I'm honored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah. Okay, so let me, today, we're talking about minute 131. And, uh, and minute 131 starts with Professor Coral removing his turban. And it ends with a ring of fire circling the room. So we do get, we talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, Voldemort has told Quirrell, like, let me face the boy. And mm-hmm. Quirrell is convinced that, oh, like, you don't have, you're not strong enough for this. Like, I don't want to risk you getting hurt or whatever, that, whatever. And um, he, he tells, Voldemort tells Quirrell, like, I have strength enough for this. And so we, we see him just beginning to unwind his turban uh, at the very, very end of the week last week. So we watch as he kind of takes it off around the back of his head. And we, the, the I like the way the camera kind of pans in on the reflection in the mirror. Like we're not mm-hmm. even looking at Quirrell anymore because he's not important. And he takes the, he takes it off and we get to see Voldemort for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh my gosh, he's freaky. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I like the, like his face coming out of the back of Quirrell's head is, is kind of disturbing. <laughs> Yeah. I really like the design of it, though. I mean, at least he has a nose. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, you're angry. I mean, like, like, why does why does back of the head Voldemort have a nose, well, but, like, Voldemort himself didn't have a nose? So, uh, in so the weird. director commentary, Chris Columbus mentions that, uh, he, he says that as a director, you always kind of want to go back and, like, fiddle with things, but they didn't know that they were going to be, they didn't know what was going to happen in later books. They didn't know that they were going to have like a physical Voldemort to work with at some point. And so they right. didn't know about the casting of Ralph Fiennes later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's mentioned that he wishes he could go back and reshoot this and use the design from Voldemort for like Ralph Fiennes and like have his voice mm. be the one that's the voiceover instead uh-huh. of, uh, instead of like, instead of this guy, this guy's name is Richard Bremer. And um, you don't actually even see his face. This is just, they've put, like motion, not even motion capture dots, but little green, like, um, and then CGI'd in on the back of his head, like, so that they could create this digital rendering. But is it the, the same face. guy's head? Like, it's this guy. Well, no, it's it's this. It's it's on the back of Ian Hart's head. Well, I mean, like the no. fa- the face, like what that they used. To I don't put know. On the back of Coral's head. Is it his head? I don't. Is it his face. I don't know if they did. If the motion capture technology was quite sophisticated enough for that. Right. Um, I. Th- think it's reminiscent of richard bremer who's the voice of voldemort but it definitely doesn't look like his face no well i, I, I you know, know. Oh, go, go ahead pete i'm just saying like if my face had been covered with a like a hot sweaty turban all year all year yeah i would be a mad i would be mad <laughs> oh, as well. i would probably be acting let just me like out <laughs> i imagine i imagine it's uh, like when you take like a really, really, really hot shower, right? You step out of the, the bathroom, you open the door, and then all of a sudden you get that breeze of cool air. It's just like, yes, thank the Lord. <laughs> well, you know, I first I thought when I when they I'm watching, you know, this big reveal, I think, geez, you know, what a hell of a curse it is to have the whole back of your head just be evil incarnate there. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, does, you know, like... First of all, does does Quirrell have to shave his head every morning? <laughs> like, how does that work? Because every it's like everybody's bald with yeah. the shaved head, and yeah. then and then I thought, how did this whole thing begin with him? Was he with with Quirrell? Is he like like if you reach in the back of your head, do you feel a little bump that grows over a week, and then eventually mm, all of a Voldemort is there. <laughs> yeah, and then like another, like another two little spots that are kind of squishy and fleshy, and those <laughs> yeah. are eyeballs. 
It's, you know, you know. Janice's <laughs> so uh, thing work. Well, that you know it what just makes me think of that scene in The Grudge when she's in the shower and she reaches behind <laughs> and she washes her hair and there's like a hand. <laughs> it's just like, what's going um, on? We, oh, it's so it's gross. not even in the book necessarily, but we found through the Pottermore website, which has like some extra um, kind of writings by J.K. Rowling in, in uh, regards to a lot of this stuff. She mentions that Quirrell went looking for Voldemort, that he was always this kind of shy, sort of, um, I, I want to say neurotic, very nervous. People kind of made fun of him. And so he went looking for Voldemort. He didn't believe that he died, that Voldemort had died when uh, Harry's parents did. And he wanted to find him in order to to get some of his power. And so I, I imagine that he, he traveled and found Voldemort, this uh, wraith or whatever is left of Voldemort. And invited him to i don't know invited him into his body like there's mm. a weird possession thing <laughs> happening here but but you're right jerry like i don't know how long it would take for the face to really become fully manifest on the back of his head like there might have been some slow progression going like, on like over before the course that of the is year. he just a head uh, is he just like a, a voice in his head well that's why he's been consuming the the, the right. unicorn blood because it's making him stronger and so his face is becoming so more, he more drank prominent the unicorn blood the next thing <laughs> right. you know like there's a face behind <laughs> right. the back right. of his head he's like his hair starts falling out like <laughs> if, I, if I, mean, I knew that would have happened i wouldn't have drank that blood for you <laughs> well, well see i've, I've actually got heck? an answer here i because i've been this whole week i've got the question because i had read that also about quirrell kind of welcomed or kind of invited voldemort to take him over like he tried yeah. to, he tried to prove that he was tough and basically take on voldemort and this was what happened but we've been talking about something on the indiana jones minute called nominative determinism where your name determines your future Okay. And uh, I, I, Quirrell's first name is Quirinus. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because Quirinus is an epithet of the god Janus, like the two-faced oh. god Janus in Roman mythology. So, oh. like, he was destined for this from the day he was born. Wow. That's, see, that's, that's why you get paid. I mean, that's why you get paid. You guys can't have him. He's ours. But <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to trade him. <laughs> but you can borrow him. <laughs> But it's funny because it's also it, it's a it's an epithet for Janus, but it was is also the name of the Sabine god of war. And Jerry, you mm-hmm. might remember the Sabines. They were it was a a group that lived close to where the the ancient Romans started their city, and the Romans came and stole a bunch of the women from the Sabine tribe, and so the mm. two groups went to war. Like the Sabines and the Romans started fighting, and the Sabine women threw themselves right into the middle of the fighting to stop the fighting, and so. Uh, queerness was there, the Sabine god of war. And here you have queerness Quirrell, who finds himself right in the middle of good and evil and trying to stop this fight, you know, kind of trying to be yeah. a bridge basically wow. between the world yeah. and, and, uh, and Voldemort. Are we allowed to say I his like name? That a lot. You guys say Voldemort? Yes. Okay. We have been saying his name. <laughs> <laughs> we say Voldy. Oh, yeah. We've reduced it to Voldy because we don't take him seriously. <laughs> Do we think, I mean, the, the semester's at a close. Mm-hmm. So is this. Is this, I mean, pretty much, right? Yeah, they had their okay. final exams. Yeah. Uh, we talked about them a couple, like, I think 10 minutes ago or something. That's, I mean, that's a really stressful semester. Mm-hmm. You got your first <laughs> year, is. and then you got your finals, and you got this whole Voldemort thing, and a <laughs> three-headed dog. and. Oh, my I mean, gosh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like their first, I mean, they're, you know, they're they're freshmen here. You know? I know, and then Harry has to worry about Quidditch. And... Yeah, and the whole thing. But... They get detention in the Forbidden Forest. I mean, he gets, an, invi- he gets an invisibility cloak, which mm-hmm. is a, was... a pretty item, pretty awesome item to get. Was it, um, 
so I mean, as we talked about, you know, whether Voldemort, you know, how long he's been living in the on the on the backside of Quirrell's, <laughs> you know, face. Is, mm-hmm. I mean, does Quirrell have to sleep on his side? Ew. I don't. Like every <laughs> night, are they like, oh, so. I'm gonna roll that? You know, who, you can't sleep just, you know, gonna sm- either he's way, gonna like, smother him into the pillow. Yes, yeah. it's too fine or... <laughs> well, how much how much Quirrell is still in there? Like, is any of him still Quirrell, or is it all Voldemort? We've been really debating this. There's an interesting shot. I'm not sure. There's an interesting shot. Voldemort mentions being a parasite. Yeah. When he says Mm -hmm. that, uh, Quirrell kind of like gags a little bit. Like he throws up in his mouth a little bit. Like, ugh. You Uh know what I mean? And so there's there's a little something still in there, but. (laughs) You know what I I love about that? That conversation's amazing, though, because. like in a sense, Harry's been a parasite his whole life too. Like, and un- it's not his fault, but he's had to live off the Dursleys to survive, and then he gets yeah, the they Hogwarts. Definitely see him as a parasite. And he, yeah, yeah, and he basically only has what people are willing to give him. So I, I would assume that this conversation really resonates with him right here. Hmm. And like he's. He I also and, think it's really interesting. Sorry, go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just gonna say he and Voldemort seem to have a lot of of commonalities. Yeah, 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 they absolutely do. We've talked about it quite a bit in the past. The the whole, um, as soon as Harry gets his wand, he knows about Voldemort killing his parents, and then he gets the wand from Ollivander, and Ollivander tells him, like, oh, your wand shares a core with the same bird that Voldemort got his from. Like, oh, right, you've got right. this connection, and in a way, they're kind of brothers. And, and uh-huh. he tells him um, that Voldemort did great things. He was terrible, but great. And so mm-hmm. Harry has this fear right from the beginning of like, oh, I could become like Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And so when he finds out that Slytherin House is the house for uh, not a witch or wizard in, uh, who went bad wasn't in Slytherin. And so he doesn't want to be in Slytherin. And he begs the hat, don't put me in Slytherin because right. he doesn't want to become like Voldemort. Right. And so right. this is like this kind of theme that keeps coming up a lot. Um, but I like an, an, on top of that that when Voldemort comes back, like we see Voldemort here and he's addressing Harry and he addresses him like a peer. He says, Harry, we meet again. Like, do you yeah. see what I've become? Yeah. yeah. Like, as if Harry's going to remember what happened <laughs> the, all those years ago. Right? Like, I was a baby, dude. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's the baby that stopped Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know what I love about that is Voldemort just straight up begins guilt tripping Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, it's your fault now I'm this parasitic it's thing. your fault. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he says, do you see what I must do to survive? As, as if Harry's going to be like, you know, that is terrible. You got to live sorry, in the bro. back of, yeah, <laughs> Professor Quirrell's. I mean, you got to sit through all those classes and you have to you know what i mean you gotta you gotta sleep mm-hmm. on your side oh right the same every, lesson yeah. over and over oh, no every every time Carl goes to the bathroom i mean it's just he's just he he appeals to i don't know i guess well first you said as a peer he t- talks to him like a peer and then i guess he's he's trying to see if if uh harry's gonna be sympathetic to the fact yeah that he i think he wants his pity head. or something <laughs> yeah I don't know. Maybe he's just using the fact that he's a boy mm-hmm. and he can manipulate him if he's like, if I make him like, feel look bad. Look what I've become. And there's this yeah. thing, this thing, this stone that's right here that can bring me back. Like, help me not be this horrid thing any longer. It's like, yeah, but yeah. If you come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what happens after that? <laughs> yeah. Is, but, is but, the question. But going back to what you were saying earlier, Gary, about um, Quirrell kind of. I mean, it basically bit off more than he can chew. Like, he wanted to go take on Voldemort, and this happened. Mm-hmm. 
Like, so yeah. is, is his sin the sin of hubris, or was he just unlucky? Because Harry kind of does the same kinds of things that Quirrell did. Harry was just more successful at it. So, mm. like, can we see Quirrell as a bad guy, or is he basically like a Harry Potter? He just had a little bit less I feel Quirrell is definitely a victim. Uh-huh. I yeah, I do too, I think that he actually. does have... Yeah, it's easy to pity Quirrell, because he was already... We saw that, like, kind of nervous, neurotic, like... Poor stuttering he, he's not Quirrell. necessarily like, making not that the decision ago. to do these things. It's well, uh-huh. but kind he of being did, driven to do these things. He did make the decision to go find Voldemort to get right, power. right. But is, is that, that different than that was his downfall? And is that different than Harry Potter like going to track down the uh, the Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah, I gotta say, Harry Potter in this movie. I mean, talk about hubris. He's like, <laughs> we're gonna go tonight. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing with the dog. Yeah. You know what There's I mean? Now a... I gotta pick up his paw. Like, he didn't read about the dog. He didn't ask anybody about the dog. No, he it's the, you know he's just he, right in the he... middle of it. We, gotta we do talked this tonight. about this a lot too. Yeah. He uh, he he goes and asks Hagrid like, "Where did you get the dragon egg? Like, was that guy interested in Fluffy?" And he's like, "Oh, like yeah, he. I told him that just with a bit of music, then Fluffy falls right to sleep, and then they don't even bring anything with right. them, like in preparation right. when they go face Fluffy." And that yeah. So. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of up in the air. There's a really great. I'm gonna see if I can find it. I, I mean, I would say in this case, he's a lot like Indiana Jones that he's riskophilic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's just. I mean, he does seem to be making it up as as he goes along. You know, making it up as he goes along, mm-hmm. and he kind of. I mean, he's brand new to this entire world and Hogwarts and wands and. You know, and and everybody's telling him how awesome he is all the time. Like, oh, you're Harry Potter. You're, wow, we got Harry yeah. Potter here. Well, I have a special <laughs> one for you. You know, and it's just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, he, he rolls with it, but at the same time, I mean, he's, he he finishes the sentence. You know, I'm the best seeker in a century. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. know, he's just, he absorbs it all rapidly. And uh, I don't know. He does, he does <laughs> seem to just jump into these. Uh, potential catastrophic situations. Well, yeah, and he also, he ignores every piece of advice anyone in authority or mm-hmm. that has knowledge gives him, and he explicitly, like, doesn't follow instructions. Like, he often mm-hmm. does the exact opposite it, of what his teachers tell him to do. That's a great it point. Comes from... I, I, is, is there any adult that he pays attention to in the whole movie? Any adult. And I'm not talking <laughs> about, like, at the very end or something. I mean... Is there anybody that he actually says, you know, hey, that guy said this. I'm not I'm he, not going to do that. He listens to Dumbledore exactly once in this movie. And it's when <laughs> Dumbledore tells him, don't go looking for the mirror again after Christmas. Uh-huh. And Harry didn't expect to find the mirror here at the end. So yeah. he does yeah. leave that alone. But then we yeah. don't ever have any interaction. Like, I don't think he cares about any of the other teachers and their positions of authority because Dumbledore's got his back. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they, I mean, they go look for the troll, and then yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like you got everybody almost died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're stuck in like a in like a big, you know, a first floor bathroom that's creepy, yeah. with a you know, fifteen foot troll. There's Hermione. I mean, the 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 stalls are smashed. Mm-hmm. It's just so lucky. It's so lucky that they didn't get like squashed by the troll. Yeah, well, it just seems like the line between Harry and Quirrell and Voldemort is a very, very thin one throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Like any one of them could have taken a slightly different path and ended up just like the other, the other two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the thing that's that's um, kind of resonates that's that's different about Harry, and it, it, I have a um, 
a quote that I read a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it again. Cause it comes from the chapter before this, when they make the decision to go through the trap door. Um, they're aware that the kids are aware that Dumbledore is not at the castle any longer. And they're worried that Sna- they still don't know that it's Quirrell. They think it's Snape that's going after the stone. And he believes that Voldemort's going to bring him back. And, um, Hermione's trying to stop him. Both McGonagall and Snape have already at this point told them like, Dumbledore's not here. Like, leave it alone. Like, there's protections that are there that are meant to keep him away. Like, don't bother yourself with this. You're a child, kind of thing. And Hermione tells him, you can't. After what McGonagall and Snape said, you'll be expelled. And Harry says, so what? Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to be expelled from. He'll flatten it, turn it into a school for the Dark Arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught before I get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight and nothing you two is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? And so it's out of this place of, like, no one else is here to stop him. Like, if we mm-hmm. don't make this decision to go, then then he's going to come back anyway. Um... And so it's not about it's not about him anymore. It's about Hogwarts. It's about stopping the rise of this like evil that is that is a bigger thing than just a threat to himself anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that's I think a, is a really kind of big decision for an eleven year old. Sure, but that's the I mean you were re- that's in the book. All that's in the book, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't get that. Yeah, I mean that's you don't get that the gravity. Here. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's a great great uh, quote there or paragraph. And that's a little bit what I'm talking about, the, the gravity uh, that is captured in the book and I think less so in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate that you lose a lot of that. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm not knocking the movie, but that. I'm just saying oh, in, in, in a book, I mean, of course, you have time and ways. To, mm-hmm. and, and, and reading is obviously way different than watching a movie. You know, your brain yeah. can absorb that sort of stuff and reflect upon it. It's been really interesting doing this minute by minute and kind of um, picking away not only at the differences, but just like what the movie does, what what it does capture through these uh, these children that are acting yeah. in this. It's really impressive. Yeah. Do you do you guys like the acting in the movie? What do you think of all the actors? I, I mean, I think having seen the rest of them, I know that they definitely grow up a lot. There mm-hmm. definitely have been a lot of moments though that both Victoria and I have been like, oh my god, I love this kid so much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. to to me, like the if if you take away the adults that are obviously all of them are really established and uh, right. take away just the the kids and how good the kids are acting in this first movie, I think the best jobs come from uh, definitely Tom Felton. Like mm-hmm. Tom Felton is definitely like all in. Like I am this guy. Mm-hmm. Like I am okay with this my my lot in life. Like yeah. I'm. I am going yeah. to act this way, and he seems very much invested, like right away. And it's yeah. not done too over the top, where it just seems silly. It seems genuinely like, oh yeah, he was raised this way, and this kind of makes sense why he acts mm-hmm. this way. And uh, Hermione has some little overacting moments, but uh, it doesn't take away too much. But she's really good, and I think Daniel Radcliffe is like uh, really good. Rupert Grint, I think, just doesn't 
have too much. Well, he doesn't yet. have a lot to do. Yeah, exactly. Actually, right. I think I think the the chess match week is really amazing. For no, him. he he's yeah. good in that chess match scene. Uh, the the chess match scene, but other than that, he didn't get too much. Mm. But he right. he's the one I think develops the most over the course oh, of the sure. movies. Well, I think it's interesting just to see like who they work with and how how working with a lot of the like. Um, the adult actors that and, and actresses that are on the set, like how much that kind of helps these kids develop too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I thought it was interesting you brought up Draco too, because he seems like to me the one character that seems more three dimensional in the movie than he does in the book. Mm-hmm. Like I thought yeah. he brought so yeah. much of that role. He seems a lot more He's nuanced great. than the character does in the book. He's got a great oh. haircut. <laughs> oh, that, that slick, that slick just, blonde, yeah, plat- platinum just... blonde. I mean, for being Draco, which makes total sense when you crazy. see his dad in the next movie. You're like, oh, yeah. now we know why <laughs> your hair looks the way it. Does. I'm so excited to meet Lucius Malfoy. We all, we all know that kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Although, give that kid a surfboard, and he's a hero. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. Like all, although uh, to be honest, I didn't know too much. I mean, I know a lot of the adult actors in here are very established, and I know and they're really well known in the uh, in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. But as I wasn't really super familiar with some of them, and I think Ian Hart is amazing in mm-hmm. these uh, these last scenes here. Oh, man, yeah. Like, wow, like, like really great. And um, what is uh, the guy who plays Filch? Oh, he um... had a really really great moment that we talked about at length because he did. He did amazing. Yeah, he had a, a really good scene at the beginning of the uh, detention sequence in, yeah. in the Forbidden Forest. Um, David Bradley? Is that his name? That sounds close enough. <laughs> if, if you say it with enough confidence, anyone, someone will. Oh, people it. who are people who are listening, they'll know. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, stop BSing us. Uh, but like, like I didn't know them very off very much in, in anything else, and I thought both of them uh, did really, really great in this. Yeah, oh, definitely. are you looking it up, Gary? He's... Yeah, yeah. It's David Bradley. I was correct. David oh, okay. Bradley. There you go. I'll say it with confidence. See, gotta, then you <laughs> cut off all that stuff. Too late. No, I know. It's too late. I know. <laughs> Whatever. So uh, right my, at the uh, tail end. Go for oh, it. Yeah. I was going to say, my favorite line in the entire movie is in minute, 30, uh, minute 131, which is oh. the... Yeah. Yeah, the whole movie. Unicorn blood can sustain me, but it cannot give me a body of my own. And I think, okay, look, who finds unicorn blood and then complains about it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> and, and he says it with such, it's sort of just like, you know, he spits it out. Mm-hmm. You know, Voldemort just spits that out like, yeah, unicorn blood can sustain <laughs> Keep me alive, but... but... Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I think it's because he knows the stone is so close to his reach, though. It's like yeah. just on yeah. the other side of this mirror, this thing that can bring him back. Yeah. Right, but it is unicorn <laughs> blood. I mean... Right? <laughs> uh, you got to just be happy for some things. Mm-hmm. But is it... I mean, he's, he's much better off than he was the last... 10 years since he uh, <laughs> sure. since he died at the, the the potter house is it is it true that the turban is unicorn fur <laughs> you know i don't know i don't know it dyed purple or is there purple I mean, is it like a cashmere type of thing yeah. like is in it... the underbelly of a unicorn it's like i Angora. saw someone said they thought dumbledore gave it to him 
And I thought, well, that's kind of cool because maybe Dumbledore uses unicorn fur to kind of keep him from going too far to the dark side, like he sees something in this guy. Man. But then on the other hand, if it's if it's uh, Voldemort that gives it to him and it's it's unicorn fur, then yeah, he just like he drinks the blood and he's kind of using all the buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not, but not in a good way. I mean, it's but like Peter's gonna come after you for unicorn oh, yeah. fur. Yeah. yeah, I mean. <laughs> Oh yeah, someone's gonna throw some paint on that. Well, if yeah. unicorns like if, if a unicorn's like a horse, is it fur or is it more of like a like a hide? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Unicorn hair. Yeah, that would hair. be very soft. Um, oh, that would really suck having horse hair in your face all day. Yeah, yeah, that'd be terrible. <laughs> well, and let's be clear, I mean, it's horse hair in your faces. Yeah, <laughs> in your faces. <laughs> you know, that's why he didn't want a nose. It was just yeah. so itchy. Oh yeah. I don't know the source of this, but I'm looking at the Harry Potter wiki page, and it says that apparently Quirrell received the turban uh, as a thank you pr- uh, gift from an African prince after getting rid of a troublesome zombie. <laughs> uh, it well, says whether know, he only made up the turban part of... <laughs> or the whole thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I feel like he was way too skittish and sort of afraid to handle anything before Voldemort. Right? Yeah. Quirrell just showed up and, and, and had a, a magical shotgun and just shot some <laughs> zombies in the face. Oh, like... man. <laughs> That's amazing. Quirrell, zombie uh, hunter. Also, according to that, that Pottermore article... Um, Quirrell had the position of Defense Against the Dark Arts from Dumbledore before Voldemort became attached to him, uh-huh. which I think is, is the, the timing of that is really interesting. Like, he got the job and then he went looking for Voldemort. Huh. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. He just got, like, he's one of those guys who just got too into his job. Or is he like, <laughs> oh, I've got, like, the only way yeah. I'm going to, the only way I'm going to get tenure is if I get this Voldemort guy. if i'm the one to capture Voldemort, then it'll all be fine it's like i've heard some horrible things about the defense against the dark arts position maybe (laughs) if i do this Mm -hmm. maybe it's like one of those you know they have uh you know live vaccines and attenuated vaccines (laughs) i mean maybe if you get Voldemort and and you you know you kind of study him you work on it you put him on the back of your head you kind of learn what makes him tick you can fight him (laughs) off and then yeah, and then you develop, you know, like a vaccine, a defense <laughs> against the dark arts. Oh, I like that. <laughs> he, he had a, a much more elaborate plan than we know of mm-hmm. that just went horribly awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like, he couldn't contend with it. can consume you, you know? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. He takes him into his body, and then he slowly becomes less and less of himself. It's interesting, the, the idea of that, because at the beginning, actually, in a lot of this sequence, when we see... Quirrell talking to Harry, he is very reserved and collected, and, and he's not that sort of skittish person anymore. Um, and we talked about it at the tail end of last week's minute, but when Voldemort tells Quirrell, like, let me talk to him, he does kind of revert back a little bit. His hands clasp in front of his chest, and he's like, I, Master, I don't know if you're strong enough for this. And he does see really some of that, nervous. like, neuroses come back. Yeah. It's mm. a very nervous mm. So it's interesting. I'm not behavior. really sure how much of, of, of the original Quirrell is still here. What's interesting is that that sentence, like, Master, I'm not sure you're strong enough for this. You're like, well, so who failed? Who failed? So, I mean, in a way, he called out Voldemort and he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's right. You're like, but, I mean, Voldemort might not see it that way. He'd be like, I I told you to get the stone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and, But you're like, well, who's who's the weak one or is it a collaborative weakness where they both, (laughs) they both, I guess they both fail? I guess they both fail. 
I suppose they do. Yeah. Well, they they fail. They you, fail in different blame, for different reasons. Yeah, but if you have to place blame, I mean, I mean, in a way, Quarrel is correct. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Anytime you call out evil incarnate and you're right, and you say, "Listen, you need to check yourself, evil. <laughs> you're not strong enough for this. <laughs> you're not strong enough for this." <laughs> you know, I know this is your universe and all that, but but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I like it. We'll have to talk about. We'll talk about more. Uh, Didn't think Voldemort it tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. I, I did have one one question here at the end of the minute. You know, mm-hmm. where you know, so you know, Coral snaps his fingers, and you know, then everybody's encircled by fire. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so that's both an offensive and defensive move, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like if you yeah. if you could do that, like you're like, oh, it's offensive in the sense that you know now now Harry is imprisoned by fire if somebody's <laughs> standing next to you. But it could be a defensive maneuver too, right? If you didn't want anybody to get in, you snap your fingers and now yeah. you're like, you oh, I'm, I'm fine. Between like, you, yeah, home yeah. base. And <laughs> I wonder, can he control? Can Coral or Voldemort can control how far out the flames are? Like if you want one that's six feet, like well, you know. Yeah, that takes some planning. That takes some planning. Or did he just think, I need a ring, a wreath of fire 30 <laughs> feet out. Bam. Yeah, and he just snaps his finger. He doesn't wave his wand. Yeah. He doesn't speak an incantation. It just, like, ignites. It just happens. Yeah. Have, you, have you guys ever really been to the <laughs> the forum shops at Caesar's Palace? No. Well, yeah. It, there's, a, there's a thing there. There's, like, a... They have a little animatronic show with these Roman gods, and it looks exactly <laughs> like this scene when the fire shoots up. Oh, it neat. does! It does! It's it does. almost identical. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So the whole scene's got sort of that Roman flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. It's got. It's. It's. Um, I talked about it a little bit last week because the, it's all around the room is this staircase that descends into this kind of bottom floor that has the mirror on it. And it kind of makes me think of like an amphitheater or something like these stone steps that lead down into like a, like a stage space or something. Yeah. Um, the columns well, so, around the room. It definitely does yeah, have yeah, that yeah. kind of Greco Roman feel. To and it. I looked, is it, uh, are they Doric, Ionic or Corinthian? Ooh. Oh, I, I didn't look. <laughs> I looked. They're, they're Doric. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> oh. They're plain. They're plain. I'm impressed. Is, Gary. Yo, thank you, Pete. Thank you. Pete. We knew that whole Sabine thing. You yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the history this week. <laughs> cool. Awesome. I think that was everything I had for this minute. It, it literally ends with a, a ring of fire. It literally ends with a ring of fire. <laughs> Actually, Chris Columbus on the director commentary because you know you know how much he, he loves he practical Johnny effects. Cash. What? You know how much he loves practical effects. Yeah. Uh, they actually lit a ring of fire around the outside of the set. Neat. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> which yeah, I think great. is in, incredibly that's a, dangerous. That's intense. It, it, yeah. it is intense. I bet you it's really hot. Oh, I may- yeah. oh man. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and he's wearing a sweater. He is. He's wearing a sweater. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, because if oh, you I go to the one, if you see the one in, in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, like if you're standing forty feet away from those flames, it, it feels like a blast furnace in your face. I yeah. believe it. Oh. It's hot. Like that's got to be unbelievably hot. Yeah. And uh, and they let it go for the next for the rest of the scene, basically. Right. Oh. It's getting hot in there, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're in this like stone set. They're cooking their actors in here. <laughs> oh man, Ian Hart with all those robes too. Like it's the yeah. real yeah. reason he dries out. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Would you guys like to let everyone know where they can find you on the interwebs? Yeah, Jared. Oh, wow. all right. Yes. Well, uh, we have a podcast where we discuss the Indiana Jones uh, movies. It's indianajonesminute.com. And uh, right now we're about halfway through the Temple of Doom. And uh, it's exactly like what you guys do with uh, the Harry Potter movies. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's the Indiana Jones Minute Listener's Crusade, where there's all sorts of discussions uh, about what we discuss about uh, on the podcast. Awesome. Everyone should uh, go check you guys out over there. I'm, I'm such a fan of a lot of the minute podcasts actually but i think after star wars you guys were the first ones i started listening to and so i i have a fondness for your show so i I encourage everyone to go check that out Uh, we also have a facebook page if anyone wants to come and discuss the the contents of our minutes it's harry potter minute and the listeners army so people can find us over there and come back tomorrow for minute 132 of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone Uh, you guys we wrap up every minute by saying mischief managed Uh, If you'd like to join us in that, I think that could be fun. Absolutely. All right, whenever you're ready, here we go. Victoria, you ready? Yes. Mischief managed. Mischief managed. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes. The whole thing cut Every time. That's how it goes. (laughs) If anything, that was mischief unmanaged.